You're listening to Full Steam Ahead, a podcast about Purdue with Adam Bartels. All right, welcome to Full Steam Ahead, a podcast about Purdue. On this episode, we are previewing the 2020 football season for Purdue football. It's hard to believe it is actually here. Let's play some football, as Jeff Brown would say. <laughs> With me to talk about this season is uh, Purdue Sports Properties' Rob Blackman. Rob, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, well, thank you. And yes, let's play football. <laughs> Finally, Adam, let's play football. Seems hard to believe. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the summer we were maybe pretty optimistic, and then it seemed to be taken away, and then they adjusted the schedule and then took it away again. <laughs> but as of this recording, it is uh, Thursday afternoon at 1.30 p.m. as we're recording this. As of right now, we have a football season to play. So let's let's discuss that. Well, uh, you, you did a good job there <laughs> prefacing all of this by saying, as of right now, uh, because I, I think uh, Athletic Director Mike Bobinski put it best on Monday. He had a press conference. Actually, they were talking about the fact that uh, Jeff Brom had contacted COVID, and, and I thought he had a great comment. Mike Bobinski said, this season is not a linear season. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing linear about it. There are going to be twists and turns and hills and valleys and so, but yes, as you said, as of right now at this taping, we're going to play some football Saturday. Uh, 2020, anything can change on the dime. That's why yeah, I specifically <laughs> mentioned the day and time we're recording this. And of course, not that I really want to bring this up, but I don't really believe in jinxes or superstitions. Last time you and I talked, we were previewing a Big Ten tournament that never happened. Right, so. that's exactly right, yes. So let's hope this doesn't hold true to happen again. Well, you mentioned Jeff Brom already, so let's talk about that first. Uh, what do you know as far as his current status as of again this, as of this recording? Well, he has uh, he has definitely tested positive for COVID-19. That is, uh, I think that's pretty common knowledge. Jeff has admitted as much to uh, to local media and anyone who will ask. Um, the real fly in the ointment here, uh, Adam, is whether or not Coach Brom will have a chance to actually coach the team live as it happens in the game Saturday. Um, again, as of this recording. Uh, Purdue has at least petitioned uh, the football rules committee with the NCAA to allow Coach Brom to somehow be a part of the game. Now, uh, for this to happen, there are a number of things that are going to have to take place. Uh, one of them, we assume, is that Coach Brom would have to stay quarantined at his house where he is currently. Um, but by doing so, if the NCAA again would allow it, um, he'd have the opportunity to at least either call in via cell phone and be in constant contact with the coaches on the sideline while the game is going on, or maybe set up some type of live video feed that he can watch the game, obviously, at his house as it's happening. Can't watch it on television because, as many of your uh, uh, listeners and viewers know, you know, there's normally about a seven to ten second delay from live action to when you see it on TV. So Coach Brown can't be ten seconds behind everything that's happening. Sure. So maybe they could set up some type of live feed. Um, where he could watch what's going on live and communicate again somehow with the coaches on the sideline. Again, we don't know if that's going to happen or not. Maybe yes, maybe no. I can tell you this week during practice, that is what Purdue has been doing uh, because obviously there's no uh, restrictions mm -hmm. for practice. So Purdue has been video streaming live the practice as it goes to Coach Brom at his house. He watches the video and then he can communicate with the team and the coaches. Hey guys, I like this. I dislike this. We need to make this adjustment. So they, they've had a bit of a trial run, I guess you'd say, <laughs> in practice. Um, but again, is it going to be allowed for the game? Like, we're all still waiting to see if that's going to happen or not. Sure. And I, probably a lot of Purdue fans are saying, well, Nick Saban got to do it after only being in quarantine for what, two days, maybe three yeah, days? True. Now, but, of course, he had a false positive sure. and then tested negative three straight yeah. times after that, which yeah. is not going to be the, the case for our coach, unfortunately. Right. And I think, too, the Big Ten's rules. Are I different. think are a little stronger yeah. or more stringent than uh, than. SEC certainly, yeah, certainly. And uh, 
again, you know, it's such a, I feel terrible for Coach Brom, but yeah. I have to tell you that, you know, as you were just talking about Nick Saban, this, this isn't the first time we've seen this this year, yeah. and it certainly won't be the last. Uh, yeah. And I'm not wishing ill will on any other Big Ten coach, but I have a hard time believing we're going to get to the end of the season, and Jeff Brom will be the only head coach that picks up COVID-19. It's just yeah. part of the, uh, the landscape this year in, in the Big Ten and in college football. So, yeah, it's unfortunate it happened to our coach, <laughs> right. but I, he probably isn't going to be the last one that happens to. Sure. Well, yeah, hopefully it does stay low numbers. And I think, yeah. I think the last test they showed for the players, no positive test for the players. Right. So. And that's been a good positive <laughs> note. Players, for the most part, and again, we don't want to jinx it here. Right. So far, they're doing okay. Well, let's talk about some of those players, the depth chart, uh, and some of the key position battles heading into uh, Saturday's game. I assume at this point, two days away, things are kind of settled. Where do you see any more that might be a game-time decision? Probably not so much game-time decisions as far as as far as maybe the starters, um, but maybe who's going to get the, the reps that that we weren't expecting. And I say that young guys that you never kind of really know, especially early in the season, uh, which young guys are going to get a chance to play. Um, but I do think from a wide receiver standpoint, I mean, look, everyone knows about Rondale Moore and David Bell <laughs> as well they should. Uh, everyone knows about Milton Wright and, and, and Ahmad Anderson, who had great years last year as freshmen. Uh, but there's some other freshmen that I think are going to are going to are going to play and go, and going to make a difference. Um, and among them is uh, Marcellus Moore, who's the fastest guy on the team. Um, he ran track actually in the spring for Purdue. Was, was a sprinter uh, up until the track season was canceled, and was was one of Purdue's better sprinters. Uh, came in at semester, actually graduated early, so he could be on the track team. So he's actually the fastest of all the receivers. Think about how fast Rondale Moore is. Well, he's not the fastest. Mar uh, Marcellus Moore is. Malik Carr is another freshman that's really impressed. Uh, yeah, matter of fact, Purdue's only had one scrimmage since practices have re re resumed, I should say. And the one scrimmage they had when it was finished, uh, Jeff Brom and the coaches offensively were not talking about Rondale Moore. Uh, they weren't talking about David Bell. They weren't talking about Milton Wright. Uh, they were talking about Malik Carr. Yeah. They thought he was the best of the group. So imagine that. Right. Uh, as a true freshman, they thought he was the best receiver on the field that particular day. So I think those are two guys that, from a rotational standpoint, they're going to get in and they're going to have a chance to play uh, at the wide receiver position. Probably still some question marks at tight end. I do think Payne Durham is going to be the starting tight end. He was just named a captain this week. Mm -hmm. um, but after that, um, there's not a lot of depth there. You know, obviously mm -hmm. last year you, uh, you had an NFL uh, caliber tight end playing for you in Bryson yeah. Hopkins. Uh, well, he's not there anymore. So you've got to find some guys that can. <laughs> and I, I, sh I should know this off the top of my head, Adam. I don't. But I think, I think this is correct. I don't think Purdue has a tight end on the roster that caught a ball last year. Oh, wow. So there are going to be, you know, there's going to be some ample opportunity for some guys to make a difference there. I think Payne Durham's the first one up. Uh, Kyle Billadu mm -hmm. would probably be the next guy I would think would have a chance to get some reps at tight end. So, um, and then running back is also another position uh, where Purdue is looking for some help. Um, Tyreek Murphy is probably the guy that they've been most impressed with as a true freshman. Uh, but there are some freshman running backs that are going to have to play. Um, mainly because even though Purdue returns its two top running backs from last year, uh, King Doru uh, and Xander Horvath, the fact of the matter is neither of those guys ran for over even 500 yards. Um, so there's an opportunity for some guys at running back. So those are some freshman names I've thrown out there that the yeah. fans should maybe look for that I do think will have a chance to play. And I would also say this, and we're talking offense only here right now for a minute, but I would say this too on the offensive line. Uh, don't be surprised if Zionsville uh, native Gus Hartwig, who's a true freshman, yeah. Uh, I do think he's going to play uh, somewhere, maybe center, maybe guard. I don't know if he starts. I do think he's going to see some reps. 
Uh, coaches have been really impressed with him. And you, as you know, Adam, it is tough in the Big Ten as an offensive lineman to be a true freshman and find your way into the rotation. But I do think Gus Hartwig is going to do that. I, yeah. So those are some guys that names I think fans will need to listen for and look for Saturday as far as young guys getting into the game. The veteran guys you know pretty much uh, on the offensive side of the football from last year. The biggest question, of course, is who's going to play quarterback? Yes. I don't have that answer. Well, let's None talk of us do. <laughs> let's talk about there's, I mean, three possible options. I think this year you got, of course, Jack Plummer and Aiden O'Connor, who both got, um, were kind of forced into yeah. the rotation last year following the injury to uh, Elijah Sindelar and then O'Connell after Plummer got hurt, unfortunately. So two guys that kind of got are both very young um, and, uh, again, got forced into it. But then there's the wild card, Austin, uh, Austin Burton. Burton from yeah. UCLA. Talk about where you see this one playing out. Wow, do I wait? That, <laughs> that, that is the million-dollar question, is it not? Um, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, the one thing that, well, not one thing, one of the many things uh, that COVID-19 has, uh, has done to change, for instance, my day-to-day -day activities with Purdue football this year is I don't have the access that I used to have to just go up and watch practice. Mm -hmm. um, through no one's fault, it just, it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, they're trying to obviously keep the number of participants of practice limited, and I understand that. Um, so because of that, I haven't been able to get that peek behind the curtain yeah. and see maybe who is playing well at quarterback. Purdue obviously hasn't announced who its starting quarterback is going to be. Uh, my gut feeling tells me Jack Plummer, but that's just my gut feeling. I, you know, I only say that because he has the most experience of all three, at least as far as playing in a Purdue system. Yeah. Certainly Aiden O'Connell, he only played three games last year as a starter, uh, but he proved his worth. I mean, he won a game at Northwestern, which yeah. that, I mean, as a freshman walk-on quarterback, that's hard to do to win a game yeah. in the Big Ten on the road. And I don't care how poor Northwestern was last year. That's a big deal. Yeah. And you mentioned Austin Burton. He is the wild card. Uh, he's the most athletic of the three. Better runner. Certainly is better at getting out of the pocket and making things happen on the run. Um, but how does that figure into the Purdue offense? I, I, I should also say this, Adam. I firmly believe in my heart of hearts that Jack Plummer is going to be the starter. Watch me be wrong on Saturday. <laughs> and that's what I think. But I also do think that we're going to see more than one quarterback Saturday. I think, I think at least he and O'Connell will both have a chance to get a few reps early in the game, maybe a series or two. And maybe we'll see Burton in there too. But I do think Purdue will play more than one quarterback Saturday. I'm with you as well. I, I think Jack gets the start. But I, I definitely wouldn't be shocked if we see at least to play. Yeah. Your feeling on that, you know, from a Purdue fan perspective, um, sometimes I see, see or hear people, and sometimes I don't even agree with it, that can interfere with the flow when you're, for uh, the offensive line or the other players when, when you're switching them in and out. Your thoughts on that? Well, I'll go with Jeff Brom's thoughts because obviously <laughs> his decision is the only one that counts. Uh, but he did talk about this last year, and he's talked about it in the past. Um, he is not afraid to play two quarterbacks in the first half and then just get a feel for which guy has a better handle of the game yeah. and then ride him in the second half. Yeah. Uh, and I, and I'm, a couple of reasons I'm going to trust Jeff's opinion on this. <laughs> one, he's the head coach, so his, again, his opinion is the only one that counts. But he played quarterback, right? Yes. He played in the NFL. He played at a high level mm -hmm. of college football. He's coached quarterbacks. He's been around football all his life. So if there's one position he's going to understand best, it's, it's QB. Um, so I, I actually kind of like it. If you don't have one guy who has just solidified himself as the guy at quarterback, I'm actually okay with playing you know, two guys in a first half. Again, get a feel for which guy just has a better grasp of the game for that particular game. And it might not be the same guy every game. Yeah. It might rotate game to game, but 
whichever guy seems to have be in control in the first half of that in the, uh, of that particular game, then just ride him in the second half and see what happens. Yeah, for sure. And on the defensive side of the ball, we know a couple people who will probably definitely be starting. Lorenzo Neal, the senior mm. captain, finally get to see him on the football field after more than a year. Actually, if you really date back to when he got hurt, almost two years since, yeah. he's, since he's actually played a game. So it'd be great to see him back on the field. Obviously, George uh, Carlitos, we expect to see him starting on the yeah. line there. And then um, I would assume Derek Barnes, you could probably pencil him in as a starter. Yeah, he was named the captain this week. So I would assume if you're named captain, <laughs> you're probably in the starting lineup, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, uh, quite a few transfers on the, uh, on the defensive side. You got a couple guys from UConn, the Iowa yeah. chance for DJ Johnson and also Javante Howard. Uh, yeah. Talk about those guys and the instant impact they might be able to make. So I'll go backwards in the order you just okay. mentioned and then we'll start with Giovanni Howard. A junior college transfer, really athletic and really long. Um, if he doesn't start at corner Saturday, I think he'll play a lot. He might not, maybe he won't start again. He's a JC transfer, so you wonder how much of the defense he's been able to grasp. Although, to be fair, you got a brand new defensive coordinator, so who knows how much any of the players have sure. grasped it. Um, but I do think you'll see Howard on the field if he's, again, if he doesn't start at corner, he's probably still going to play a lot just because of his, his athleticism and the fact that he's an older player. Um, one of the UConn guys you mentioned is Tyler Coyle. Mm -hmm. uh, he's, a, he's a grad transfer, again, an older player. He's interesting because he's kind of a hybrid linebacker DB, right? He can kind of do both. Uh, he'll be more of an outside linebacker for Purdue in this particular defense. I do think he will play a lot, again, because he brings a veteran leadership and veteran, you know, you've been there, done that. And you always like to have those guys on, on your football team. And then DJ Johnson, uh, local Indianapolis kid, played at North Central, started his career at Iowa, ironically, uh, has <laughs> transferred to Purdue, got a waiver to play immediately, and that waiver has been granted. So he will, uh, if he's not in the starting lineup, I'll be very surprised. Yeah. I do think he will start at corner uh, for Purdue. So yeah, those, just those three guys right there, transfers, are going to be immediate impact guys. Um, and Purdue needed help in the secondary, quite yeah. frankly. So it's good to have uh, Howard and, and DJ Johnson. You combine those guys with, you know, like a guy like Corey Trice, who was honorable mention all Big Ten last year as a freshman as a defensive back. Um, before, you know, let's say before the summer started, Purdue looked really thin at defensive back, really thin. Did not have a lot of uh, numbers coming back there. Uh, Simeon Smiley's a guy, Brennan Thieneman, who are returnees, but but there just weren't a lot of uh, guys to, to lean on back there. All of a sudden, you had these transfers. Now, all of a sudden, uh, the secondary has become really a, a position of depth for yeah. Purdue. So th those transfers, I think, can really help. Yeah. Of course, Cam Allen is a true Cam freshman. Got Allen baptized really, by yeah, He did. <laughs> and uh, he, yeah, as a Held true freshman, he, he, took his, uh, he took his lumps. But I tell you what, he did hang in there really yeah. well for, again, true freshman playing yeah. in the Big Ten that, against some of the quarterbacks we saw <laughs> last year. That, that was a tough task. Yeah. Uh, real quickly before we jump into the Iowa game, strengths and weaknesses. Obviously, a wide receiver is probably one of our strongest positions, if not our strongest and our most depth. There's just talent from one through eight, yeah. probably, you could argue sure. there. Um, other strengths you see uh, as far as positions? Well, I do think the defensive line, just with Lorenzo Neal coming back, all of a sudden becomes a real strength of this team. Uh, 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 Anthony Watts, I almost said Lorenzo Watts, Anthony <laughs> Watt coming back. Uh, as a, as a fifth-year guy in the D-line is another big body. And then you have Karloftis, uh, I should say, mm -hmm. at one defensive end. And uh, probably Branson Dean maybe plays the other defensive end. Maybe a Fakasiaki gets a, plays a defensive end. Uh, the biggest question, I think, Adam, defensively uh, is going to be new defensive coordinator Bob Diaco. Is Purdue going to line up in more of a 3-4 front? 
or more of a 4-3. Yeah. Obviously, that makes a big difference on the personnel that gets on the field. Right. Um, so that'll be a big question. Diaco has, has said many times, yes, I'm a 3-4 guy, but I will play a lot of 4-3. <laughs> so again, that affects the personnel. So uh, we're talking strengths. I do think the defensive line, whether Purdue lines up with three guys with their hand in the dirt or four, I think is going to be a real strength. Um, tight end is going to be a position that we talked about a little bit earlier that there are some question marks. Yeah. Uh, are there potential players that can step up there? Sure. Yeah, there are, but we haven't seen it yet. Yeah. So until you see it in a game, uh, you, do, you don't really know. Uh, and then I do think it sounds crazy to say when you have, you know, two, really three guys at quarterback who have all played high major college football, I'm not so sure that quarterback, at least right now, is a strength. Yeah. Certainly can evolve into that. Sure. Uh, but you do have three guys in the three that we've already talked about who have certainly shown their, had their moments, um, but no, not, none of the three have played an entire season. Uh, and none of the three have, uh, have, quite frankly, put up great numbers when they play. They've been okay, certainly yeah. haven't been bad. Um, but I do, you know, it's not like it's, <laughs> you get spoiled, right, when you have Drew Brees and Curtis Painter and David Blau. You, yeah. just, you just assume that you're going to have. Uh, great quarterbacks yeah. all the time. Doesn't mean these guys can't be great, but there are still some question marks with all three of them. Yeah, it's too bad Elijah didn't exercise that. <laughs> but I totally, totally respect and understand his decision. You know what's crazy <laughs> about that? And uh, and Adams, of course, talking about Elijah Sindelar, yeah. who could have come back and played one yeah. more season for Purdue. Though, and I was thinking about this the other day. Probably would have never happened. But just hypothetically, with the NCAA allowing this season to not count for your actual uh, <laughs> seasons of playing. Elijah could have come back and played next year, too. Oh He'd gosh. been like a seven-year college football player. Oh, my gosh. It would have felt like, I don't know if you remember Evan Eschmeyer. At, uh, oh, Northwest. yes, at Northwestern. felt like the guy was there for 10 years. <laughs> yes. I mean, you could have had a guy with, yeah, seven years of college eligibility. Uh, but it didn't work out that way. Crazy thing. And, you know, obviously, again, respect Marcus Bailey's decision. And he made mm -hmm. a good one. He's playing in the yeah, NFL right, right now. So, right. you know, just think about I mean, because, you know, you talk about, we're, we're going to talk about uh, the season here in a minute. Four and eight last year. And I've never seen, and I know Purdue fans will say we've been snake bitten with injuries with, throughout our history. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I've never seen anything like last year when you have what three or four uh -huh. senior captains plus, you know, Rondell, Rondell Moore, the most electrifying player in college football, all go down for the season with injuries. I've just never seen anything like that. Adam, think about <laughs> this: your your wide receiver, who is the best player on your team, and your quarterback, got injured and lost for the season on the same play. The same play. Yeah. I mean, the odds of that happening have to be one in a million. Uh, but the same play, they're lost for the year. Um, so, yeah, and it was uh, – but uh, back to – you mentioned some of the names there. One, uh, Jeff uh, Brom talked about this earlier in the week. One of the reasons this year Purdue has decided to name its team captains on a game-by-game -game basis is because last year, by week five of the regular season, all the team captains were hurt. Yeah. Purdue had no team captain. Yeah. All the guys that they had said, hey, you're a captain to start the year, were done for yeah. the year. So you, you play the rest, you know, technically, you, you play the rest of the season with no team captains. Yeah. So uh, Brahm's like, well, I don't want that to happen again this year, yeah. so we'll just name them on a game-by-game -game basis. It's wild. It is wild. It is wild. All right, well, let's talk. Uh, start getting into the games here. Iowa, of course, the opener at 3.30 on uh, Saturday on the Big Ten Network. Uh, last year, of course, uh, lost to Iowa 20 to 26 um, after winning two straight against them. Yep. Let's talk about this game. How do you feel going into this game against Iowa? Be interesting from an Iowa standpoint in the fact that, you know, I was kind of boohooing the fact that Purdue doesn't have any, any quarterbacks that have played a full season or been able to stay injury free. You know, Iowa will be breaking in a brand new quarterback on Saturday in Petrus. Uh, big guy, six foot five, certainly looks the part, has a great resume when you look at his high school numbers, 
but he hasn't played any college football, and for good reason. You know, you're <laughs> behind Nate Stanley, right? You're not yeah. going to beat him out. Uh, so Nate Stanley's graduated. He's moved on, and now Petrus gets a chance. Uh, he's only thrown 11 passes his entire college career. He's only played in three games. Uh, so Iowa's breaking in a brand-new quarterback on Saturday. I do think that plays to produce favor. Uh, but, look, when it comes to Iowa, as you well know, Adam, it's all about defense. Mm -hmm. They're always so good on defense. Yeah. I looked up some of the numbers earlier today because I was trying to compare Purdue to Iowa from last year. The fact is, Purdue and Iowa uh, both averaged 25 points a game last year. Matter of fact, they both averaged 25.8 points a game. Think about that. Two wow. teams averaged exact same amount of points last year, 25.8 points a game. But the difference was on defense. The reason one team goes 4-8, and eight, <laughs> right, my team, and another team goes 10-3 and three and wins a bowl game is because Iowa was so good on defense. Yeah. They allowed 14 points a game. That, and that, to me, that's an incredible number. In modern-day college football, you yeah. gave up 14 points a game, uh, second best in the conference. Purdue, on the flip side, gave up 30 points a game. Big reason why Purdue yeah. has a new defensive coordinator this year. Sure. Um, so with, I talk about the quarterback position at Iowa. The fact of the matter is it's, it's still all about their defense, what yeah. they do defensively. They're not going to allow you to score a lot of points. They just don't. The fact that Purdue scored 20 on them last year is kind of a bit of a miracle yeah. because they didn't allow many people to score that many yeah. points. Um, so can Purdue find a way to generate offense against what is going to be a stingy Iowa defense? doesn't matter who their personnel is. They're always good on defense, and they, they, will, they will be Saturday. Yeah, as it is with, uh, throughout the whole Big Ten this year, there's really no, there's no fans, so mm. you kind of lose some of that home field advantage. Nevertheless, the game is in West Lafayette. Do you think that still helps despite the fact that the student section and the fans won't be there. The only way, the only reason I think it might help, and I know I'm going out on a, on a limb here, Adam, is with, we've got this condensed schedule, right? We found out so late into the game, no pun intended, that there were going to actually be games. Mm -hmm. So your practice time has been limited, and the fact that Iowa travels Friday does cut into their practice time. Mm -hmm. I know that sounds a little out there, and maybe I am going way out on a limb, but that's one less day of practice time mm -hmm. Iowa gets. And in this COVID-19 season where every single second of practice is so precious because you have so little of it, maybe that does make a difference for Purdue. I don't know. But yes, fan-wise, um, it's my understanding, and I believe this is correct, uh, only family members will be allowed in the game, family members of the players and coaches. So even if, you know, even if everyone got four tickets, I don't know what the number is, but even if everyone got four tickets per player, you're still going to be less than 1,000 fans yeah. in the entire building, right? So, I, yeah, I don't see that making a difference. Um, you got to be loud. I, I, yeah, <laughs> just tell the 800 or so, yeah, you got to be really loud. I don't, I don't know what else to say to that. I, but I, I don't think it's going to make a big difference at all. Okay. How do you see this one playing out? Oh, boy. <laughs> there are so many unknowns, yeah. right? Uh, and, and again, and welcome to 2020, right. where there's so many unknowns. <laughs> Who knows if we're even going to kick off right. on time on Saturday. Uh, Iowa's got a brand new quarterback. Purdue doesn't have its head coach at the game. Um, <laughs> Purdue's got a lot of new faces, uh, including coaches in Diaco, a new de defense coordinator, new special teams coordinator in Marty Biaggi. Who mm -hmm. knows what he has up his sleeve yeah. for, for Rondale Moore to return oh, kicks right. and punts. Who knows? Um, so I, I have it. You just, I guess you have to go with recent memory, right? Or not yeah. even recent memory, long-term memory. You know that Iowa's going to be really good on defense. You know that Purdue has some really skilled guys offensively and some real offensive potency there. Um, so I do think Purdue is going to win this game. How? I'm not quite sure. There's a part <laughs> of me, Adam, that says it's going to be 41 to 38 just because this is 2020 and what else should we expect? And there's another part of me that says it might be three to nothing. Right. I don't know. <laughs> it really I, I don't know what to expect in this game. And 
And, you know, typically we'd have two or three non-conference games where you can kind of feel yeah. out the opponent, right? You know, oh, yeah, I think, you know, this, they're going to be pretty good. They're not going to be very good. We, we don't even have that. Yeah, we, right. we had one scrimmage game, inter-squad scrimmage, the, during practice. Couldn't tell much from that. So, yeah. man, I don't know. I, I'm picking Purdue because I, I guess I'm a Purdue fan. But yeah. I, I guess I don't have any real logic to go with that. I don't uh, know. I'm 100% with you. I could be a super low-scoring game or everybody's scoring a lot. <laughs> right. One thing we do know is to get the ball in the hands of number four, number three, and we yeah. at least put ourselves in a good position to win the game, right? It's nice to have guys like that, right? <laughs> that if the ball in their hands, they can they can make a, a type of a game-breaking play that can blow the game wide open for you. I was, I, I probably the one thing I'm most looking forward to is seeing those two guys, David Bell and Rondale Moore, play together. Yeah. They did play together technically early in the season last year, but if you remember, Bell was hurt. He had a shoulder injury because yeah. he was so he was maybe about 70 percent, and just about the time David Bell got full strength, Rondale got hurt. Right. right, so we never really saw both of them together on the field at the same time at full strength. Uh, again, fingers crossed we yeah. get to Saturday <laughs> and we'll see that. Right, well, hopefully. Awesome. Well, we'll mark down Purdue for a hopeful win then on Saturday. Kind of looking ahead at some of the other games that they follow that up with a trip to Illinois, who that was maybe one of the uglier games mm. I've seen in yes. <laughs> recent history. That Pouring down rain and Purdue just oh. played awful. So yeah. six uh, lost twenty four to six last year. Um, talk and I think that was snapped a three game winning streak against Illinois. But uh, talk about that game and Purdue hopefully going and avenging that uh, in Champaign. Yeah, avenging is, should be the right word because that was even in a four and eight season. You can think of a number of games that just went sideways on you in your eight losses. I would put that one at the very top. Yeah. I mean, that would, and even ahead of the Nevada loss, yeah. where it certainly looked like Purdue was going to win that game in the season opener. Uh, that was just such a poor performance all the way around. You mentioned the weather was terrible, um, and Purdue did nothing offensively. Easy to blame the weather, but I, or pardon me, Illinois had no problem. They scored 24 yeah. points. Um, Illinois just looked tougher. They looked, they just looked more uh, I, I don't know what the right word is. They just looked like a team that was ready for, for bad weather and in Midwestern football, and Purdue did not. So I think avenging is the right word. Purdue should be looking to avenge that yeah. loss because they played so poorly last year. Um, again, don't know much about mm -hmm. Illinois. Brandon Peters, obviously, is still mm -hmm. their quarterback, so that's good news for them. But they did lose a lot of guys uh, from last year's team, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I thought... Quite frankly, Purdue was a better team last year. Yeah. Didn't show it in the game. Right. Um, I do think Purdue's a better team this year, but as we found out <laughs> last season, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to win. Sure. Uh, definitely a game that I believe is very winnable there on the road. And then, of course, the probably the hardest game on the schedule, uh, at least arguably the hardest game on the schedule, they follow that with a trip to Madison, a team we haven't beat, I think, in a We've lost 14 straight, so it's, yeah, been, and it's I, been a long time. Since. I, and I don't know what to think about that game, too, Adam, because the crowd up there is such a big part of sure. that game. Uh, they have a great crowd, intimidating crowd. They're always into the game, mm -hmm. um, and they, they, they make it tough on the opponent. Again, assuming by the time we get to you know that first weekend in November that the rules are the same, yeah. there'll be no crowd. Yeah. So I, I don't know how much, of a, uh, how much of a difference that will make. As much as I'd love to say Purdue's going to go and win at Wisconsin, it hasn't happened in so long. Yeah. I'd probably sound foolish for saying they are. So, yeah. fingers crossed. But man, that's always a tough place to right. play. I believe that was a Ben Jones game winning field goal back yeah. in 2004. I think it's the last time. Feels like a 1904. <laughs> right, right, it sure does. All right, after that, they come back home to play Northwestern, a team they, like you mentioned earlier, Aiden O'Connell went and won that game in Evanston yep. last year. And a Impressive uh, performance there. I think, believe they scored most of those points in the second half. Yeah, one with a game-winning field goal basically yeah. right at the end of the game. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, so you feel pretty good about that game being uh, back here in uh, West Lafayette this year. What do you think about that one? Yeah, I think you said it right. Um, you'll, be, you'll be coming off two games on the road. Um, again, it's so hard to do any predicting, Adam, because it's <laughs> such a, again, it's not a yeah. linear season, right? right. To, to steal Mike Bobensky's uh, uh, comment from earlier in the week, who knows where we're at at that point mm -hmm. in the year from a, either a COVID standpoint or an injury standpoint or um, the fact that Purdue, if, if, and I think this will be the case, if Purdue's going to be a team that does a bulk of its, uh, off, may, I should say, produces a bulk of its offense through the passing game, you know, now we're getting into November, mm -hmm. right? And, and Mother Nature doesn't always cooperate, sure. uh, especially in the Midwest come November. So will that affect the passing game at that point? Again, if you just stack it up on paper, do I think Purdue's the better team? Sure, I, yeah, I think they yeah. do. But, man, we're in, as I said, we're in mid-November at that yeah. point, so you just kind of really never know what might happen. Yeah, you got to get the king of trickery, Jeff Brom, involved in those trick plays. and get <laughs> Yeah, and it's hard to do those trick plays, though, if it's snowing <laughs> and blowing and raining, <laughs> sure, so true. I don't know. Maybe hand off the ball to more. <laughs> All right, after that, uh, probably another, arguably one of the toughest games on the schedule. We've got to go up to Minnesota, like you said, in late yeah. November now, playing a team who could arguably maybe win the uh, Big Ten West this year. Talk about the challenges of that game. Well, yeah, they're, they're, that will be, to me, that's the toughest game on the schedule, at least as we sit here today okay. and, and look ahead. It's going to be a, you know, not only are you late November uh, in Minneapolis, but it's a night game, right? It's a Friday night game. That's the one Friday night game okay. of the year for Purdue, uh, November the 20th. So, we will only assume it's going to be really cold uh, <laughs> nighttime in Minneapolis, uh, St. Paul, uh, that time of the year. Uh, they do have Rashad Bateman, obviously, coming back as one of the uh, one of the best wide receivers in the league. Certainly, I'd put him right there in the Rondale Moore category. He was another guy, just like Rondale, was not going to play. Changed his mind at the last mm -hmm. second. Okay, now I'm going to play. So, uh, so obviously, they're they're glad to have him back. And and they may have the best quarterback in the league, too, in Tanner Morgan at, at Minnesota. He, he might end up being the best QB in the league when it's all said and done. So that will be a difficult game for Purdue. You remember the last time we were in Minneapolis, two years ago, it was so cold that day. If you remember, uh, we, we talked about this on the radio. Jeff Brom could not call the plays by the end of the game. His mouth was basically frozen <laughs> shut. It was so cold that day. The yeah. wind was blowing. It was snowing. His mouth had frozen shut. He couldn't even speak through the microphone oh. to let the player, the, the quarterback, know the game. You know what, what play to run. Um, so, and I thought to myself, boy, this is in my career. This will probably be the worst day it ever is uh, here in Minnesota. Mm. Can't ever get worse than this. And now I'm thinking ahead to that November 20th game, yeah. thinking <laughs> maybe yeah. it will be worse. I don't know. You'll be thankful to be up in the booth. That. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, maybe the one benefit of the face coverings, Jeff Brown will have, probably have to have the face covering on, so at least maybe that'll help keep his mouth True, true. Warm. Yes. I don't know. I, boy, it was, man, was it cold that day. Oh. Well, following that uh, challenging game, they come back home for a couple weeks against some teams that wear red and white. Uh, one I'm looking forward to is Rutgers because that last time they played, last time and only time they played Rutgers back in 2017. Lost that game 12 to four, another just very disappointing performance oh, by Purdue I, that game. The one thing I remember the most about that game, Adam, was the number of dropped passes. Yeah. Uh, oh my goodness, it felt like we dropped 100 passes mm. that game. And I, we're talking balls that were thrown perfectly mm -hmm. right on the numbers. And just, we, our whole team had a case of the drops that day. I don't know why that was. But if you also remember that game, there was only one, there was one play basically made the whole game. And I don't remember his name, but. Rutgers had a running back and broke off about an 80-yard run early in the game for a touchdown, and that was it. I mean, that was the one play that decided the game. One stinking play uh, was that was that play. So yes, I Greg Schiano's back at Rutgers uh, had a little success there in his time earlier. Mm -hmm. Obviously went to Ohio State for a little bit as an assistant. Now back at Rutgers, 
Um, again, late in the year, so who knows what we might be looking at from a from a either weather standpoint, COVID standpoint, injury standpoint. But again, that's one, as we said here in October, and you look on the schedule, you say that's a game you should win. Yeah, sure, definitely. And then uh, after that, Nebraska, a uh, team we've had some pretty good successful. I think two games in a row we've won against them. Yeah, uh, they, three actually, yeah. Okay, they come back here and uh, feel pretty good about that game. And I know Scott Frost, I think, made some comments about uh, Purdue should be a winnable game or whatever last year. Last year, <laughs> Purdue won. I, I, I wonder, uh, and, and, I, and I say this kind of half tongue in cheek, I wonder physically where Nebraska will be at that point in the season. I mean, they have, they were obviously given the toughest schedule of mm -hmm. anyone in the Big Ten when the new schedule came out. Uh, they have no no gimme games on their schedule. It's, it's almost as if the Big Ten purposely punished them for whatever <laughs> reason. So by the time you get that deep into the season, I'm not sure where they might be yeah, physically sure. um, or mentally. You know, if it's a matter of you've just been losing and, and getting whooped every week, you know, you might be at the end of the year, you're thinking to yourself, I'm just ready to get this thing over with. Again, now we're into December. Um, so who, I, I don't know. It, it could yeah. go the other way too, right? If Nebraska gets off to a good start and they're feeling good about themselves, um, but yeah, you, you made a great point. Purdue has had success against yeah. Nebraska so far. Yeah. Um, but I, 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 I will be interested to see where Nebraska is mentally, emotionally, and physically when that game finally gets here. Right on. Of course, the game everybody always has circled on the schedule, IU, <laughs> on uh, December 12th, and not uh, Thanksgiving weekend like we normally see it. Yeah. On December 12th now, a couple weeks before Christmas, uh, in Bloomington which we won last time we were down there. It was, of course, uh, Tyler Trent's last regular season game when he got to be the team captain down there. Talk about uh, revenge on IU after that crazy double overtime game last year in West Lafayette. Yeah, what a game. You know, <clears throat> IU, obviously, it's not fair to say they didn't have anything to play for because, you know, they're already bowl eligible, but they were having a wonderful season. So they certainly wanted to keep that going, and, and they wanted to have the bucket, obviously, in, in their possession. Um, but the fact that Purdue put forth the effort they did, that was actually really rewarding. I know it stinks that you lost, and I know Purdue fans don't want to hear that. Oh, we lost to IU. It doesn't matter. But considering how shorthanded Purdue was playing, I, I was actually really impressed with Purdue's performance that day, and they were so close to winning, so yeah. close. Um, I expect the same thing. Um, again, I know I keep saying this over and over, but you're playing a football game in Bloomington on December the 12th, an outdoor football game. <laughs> you know, we don't typically do that in the Big Ten. Yeah. Normally the season's over by now, and you're either getting ready for some you know, warm weather destination for a bowl game, unless you're going to New York, I guess, um, or or you're you're done. You yeah, know, you're lift, lifting weights and getting ready for the holidays. Um, I do. I, I've been talking about how if you just look at it on paper, you know, Purdue, Purdue, Purdue. You look at this game on paper. I'm not so sure. I, uh, IU isn't the better team. They return a lot of really good players. Um, Tom Allen's done a wonderful yes, job down there. Um, so if you're just stacking it up, you know, roster to roster. I would give the I would give the nod to Indiana at this point. Yeah. Again, I feel funny talking about a game in December. <laughs> Here it is October because we don't know what it will look like by then. Hopefully, it's not like last year where Purdue's down to its fourth string quarterback. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I, that is a game that I, again, if you're being as objective as possible, I'm not so sure Indiana isn't the better team on paper. That'll be a that'll be a real challenge for Purdue. Definitely another toss up game, but yes, uh, I, I would assume. Depending on where we're at at that point, IU would probably be the favorite, at least by a few I, points. Yeah, again, if we had to, if you had to line them up today, yeah. I think certainly Indiana would be the favorite. All right, well, so we're running through the schedule now. Uh, I kind of had a Rutgers, Northwestern, Illinois games you expect to win. You think they would, even though you know one of those is on the road. And then I got a couple toss-up games there: the Nebraska, IU, and Iowa game. And then you know you kind of assume Wisconsin, Minnesota are going to be pretty tough to win, unless. 
everything goes your way that sure, day. Sure. So we're looking at anywhere from, I think, what, three and five to five and three. What, what, what would you say? Well, I'm going to go five and three. I'll say five and three. <laughs> now, after we play Saturday against Iowa, circle back with me. I might change my mind. Um, or not. Maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe I'll change my mind in a good way. Um, but I think that's fair. I think that's fair. The one thing that, not one, again, not one thing, there are a thousand things that make this season interesting. But one of them is, you know, no, uh, no minimum wins to play in a bowl game this year. Um, so people would say, well, does five and three get you in a bowl game? Well, yeah. I mean, two and yeah. six get you in a bowl game this year <laughs> if, if someone wants you to play in their bowl, yeah. if they would give you the invitation. Um, so five and three, I think Purdue would take five and three. And then the next question becomes, would Purdue play in a bowl game? Yeah. I, I don't, I, I'll be honest with you, Adam. I don't know how many teams will opt to play in a yeah. bowl game this year. There might be a lot of teams that say, you know what? We're happy we got our, our eight games in. Actually, end up being nine because everyone will play a ninth game in the Big Ten. But we played our nine games. It was fun. Let's just get to Christmas, and then we'll get on yeah. to spring football and try to get back to normal. Unless, of course, they're in the top four. <laughs> yeah. Well, then that, then a totally different discussion. Then so, a totally different discussion. Well, let's talk about that ninth game. Hopefully that ninth game will be here uh, in Indianapolis on December yeah. 19th. Uh, and, I mean, I'd give them at least an outside chance of, of winning that division, of course, depending on how Wisconsin and Minnesota play out, sure. right? Yeah, I, I know, yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, the, the one thing about the West, uh, and this has been the case you know, since they split up to East-West divisions. The one thing about the West is every team every year in the West division legitimately feels like you have a chance to win it. I mean, I think you really do. Uh, you don't have that Ohio State uh, behemoth looking, <laughs> staring you in the eye sure. on your schedule every season. Um, you do have a number of winnable games in your division. So I think it's fair to say that, yes, Purdue has a chance to win the West. They're saying the same thing at Northwestern. They're saying the same yeah. thing in Wisconsin and Minnesota and Iowa, and they should be. Um, Nebraska too. They, that is a winnable division. Um, so yeah, again, they, when they, I don't know <laughs> why they did it the way they did it, but I am very glad that Purdue ended up in the West. Yes. That's for sure. Yeah, we'll take it and take our chances this year, I think. Uh, what would you define as a successful season this year? Oh, well, <laughs> I, if we get to play all nine games, well, let's start there. Let's play right. all nine games. Um, but I, I think if Purdue went five and four, you know, we include that ninth game mm -hmm. in there. Um, look, Last year was such a, a wild year, and an anomaly, we think. We certainly hope so. I certainly believe so. You only won four games, but, again, all of your team captains were wiped out by game five. Yeah. Um, you were down to your fourth-string quarterback who was a walk-on to, to play out the string at the end of the season. Uh, you literally were just kind of holding on by a thread. Yeah. Um, so considering where you were, and, and, and quite frankly, Adam, let's go back to the two years ago, the final game of the year in Nashville where Purdue just got crushed by yeah. Auburn, just got run out of the mm -hmm. place, right? Um, then you tack that onto what happened last year. I think right now all Purdue is looking to do is let's just get back to feeling good about, yeah. about ourselves. Hey, let's have a 5-4 and four record in a crazy year like this COVID year is. That's okay. Yeah. I think you're okay with that. And then you can begin to build. You see all the young players that are coming through the pipeline right now. The recruiting has really picked up. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, to me, it's just a matter of feeling good about yourself again, right? Let's get healthy. Yeah. Let's win some games. Let's get the, the emotional confidence back up. And then, and then let's really start building this thing for the future. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, obviously, the players are playing to win. Sure. And, and it's not a throwaway season, but I agree with you. Getting through all these games, actually getting to see them all play right. and, and just build. You know, build, yeah. build for next year. Build on this. Obviously, you want to do well this year, but just, yeah, get through the season healthy, get through the, all the games and, and show some, you know, 
some growth throughout the season, I think. And I would agree. Again, when, you, when you're coming off a 4-8 and eight season that, went, that just went sideways on you so fast, um, you're just trying to, in a little way, or in a big way, you should say just regroup. Right? Yeah. Regroup, refocus. All right. Because if you think about it, Jeff Brom had this thing going the right direction. Yeah. Uh, right? Before it all went sideways on him <laughs> last year, yeah. through no fault of his own. Sure. Injuries happen, you just find a way to deal with it. So let's get back on solid footing here, and let's get back to moving again in the right direction. Awesome. Rob, thank you so much. Again, the game is Saturday, uh, 3.30 on the Big Ten Network. Or if you want to listen to my guy, Rob Blackman, and his, uh, his colleagues, Tim Newton and Pete Quinn, who have also been on the podcast earlier this year, uh, you can follow them on here in Indianapolis area, 1260 The Fan, or up in the Lafayette area, 96.5. Uh, that's Wazy up there. Uh, also, love, just love driving around and listening to those guys call the game on the radio uh, more than actually watching it. So. You guys do a fantastic job. Well, Keep that'll up the be good your work. only option this year. <laughs> right. You can't get in the stadium. So. Right. No, no offense yeah. to you, but yeah. you can't get in. Yeah, you get one of the few good seats uh, <laughs> right. this year, so everybody's going to be a little, uh, little jealous of you there. I so. think so. Rob, thank you so much for uh, joining the Full Steam Ahead podcast again. All right, Adam, thank you. All right, let's boil her up. A reminder, you can follow the Full Steam Ahead podcast on Twitter, at Full Steam Pod, and you can always listen to, like, comment, subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. Thanks again for listening to the Full Steam Ahead podcast. Until next time, I'm Adam Bartels.